Welcome to the Coming Out of the Dark Bible Study with Pastor John. Tonight's study will be in the book of Daniel. We invite you to join us at 1 Oakley Avenue in North Providence, Rhode Island. This podcast is presented to you by The Way Ministries, supported by listeners like you. For donations, live videos, podcasts, and more, please visit www.thewayministriesri.org. Thank you and have a great day. Welcome to the Coming Out of the Dark Bible Study. I want to thank everyone for coming out tonight to get a portion of God's Word. Amen? All right, first and foremost, let's thank our Lord and Savior tonight. Thank you, Jesus, for giving us today and this opportunity to gather together as your family, worship, honor, and glorify you, Lord. We're just so grateful that you got us here safely. Thank you, Jesus, for saving us, opening our eyes spiritually, and doing for us what we can never do for ourselves. Amen. We're eternally grateful. All glory and honor goes to our risen Savior. I'd like to thank all the core of the ministry, the people that support this one body. Many parts. We're grateful for each and every one of you, Lord, as the ministry continues to grow. If you have a cell phone, please silence it so it doesn't disturb tonight's service. And as always, we will start with a word of prayer. Dear Lord, our Lord and Savior Jesus, thank you for giving us this beautiful day and this beautiful opportunity again, Lord, to gather together as your family to worship, honor, and glorify you, Lord, and learn more about you, Lord. And let your ways become our ways, Lord. Help us to get rid of our ways, Father, as you give us more and more self-control as we give control over to you, Lord. Thank you for that, Lord. Thank you for giving us the Holy Spirit as our comforter, our convictor, and our ultimate teacher, Lord, as it leads us into all truth through your word of God, Lord. We're just so grateful for that, Lord. Thank you for giving us the Bible, Lord, as the owner's manual to our lives. Let us study it, apply it, and use it, Lord, to... See you in everything, Lord. Help us to take all the bitterness and resentment and anger out of our hearts tonight, Lord. And fill it with your unconditional love, Lord, so we can get a crystal clear message through your word and by your spirit, Lord. We pray for the people that are sick in the ministry, our sister Doreen, our brother George, Giselle. Lord, just reassure them that you're with them, Lord, and there's a purpose in everything you do, Lord. Let us see you in everything as you go before us each day, Lord. Let us always get better and not bitter the way you train us, Lord. We're grateful for the way you train us, Lord, because without that, Lord, we'd be susceptible to the devil, Father. And just thank you for that, Lord. Let us always unify in the spirit inside the church and outside the church, Lord. And as always, let everything be led by your spirit tonight, Father, and not our flesh. In Jesus' powerful name, amen and amen. All right, we're going to stand. Brittany's going to come up and sing. We're going to get started.
definitely changed mine, that's for sure. He'll do for you what he's done for me. We also have another prayer request for our sister Carrie. Keep her in prayer too, Lord, as you draw her closer to you. Lord, whatever it is that's doing that to her, just bring her closer to you and bring her into your kingdom. Everybody just keep her in prayer. Keep everybody in prayer, amen? We all need it as the ministry forcefully advances, as the devil tries to shut us down. Thought, word, and deed. All right, how's everybody doing tonight, all right? <laughs> you know it. Let's turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. We're going to start there tonight. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Let's see what we got here. Let me get there. First Corinthians chapter 15. Let's see what First Corinthians 15 has for us. Verse 21, let's see what we got here. Let me get my app up. It's giving me a little trouble tonight. The devil's all up tonight. He's trying to stop us. It's going to take more than that. 1 Corinthians. All right. 15. Verse 21. All right, let's go back up to 20. Oh, 17. I'm going to back up a little bit. Sick. Back up. <laughs> All right, verse 17. First Corinthians 15, the Holy Spirit is going to be taken over, so please clear your mind, put the world behind you as the Spirit is trying to speak to the church tonight. Amen? All right. And if Christ has not been raised, then your faith is useless, and you're still guilty of your sins. In that case... All who have died believing in Christ are lost. And if our hope is in Christ, our hope in Christ is only for this life, we are more to be pitied than anyone in the world. But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. Amen. He is the first of a great harvest of all who have died. So one thing a believer must believe that Jesus died and rose from the dead. Amen. That is a condition of our salvation. We have to believe that. So you see, just as death came into the world through a man, now the resurrection from the dead has begun. That's awesome. Through another man. Just as everyone dies because we all belong to Adam, everyone who belongs to Christ will be given New life. We all have resurrection power. Amen. Now, we don't have to wait for that power, though, you see. Christians have to understand we have resurrection power now. Right now. But there is an order to this resurrection. Christ was raised as the first of the harvest. Then all who belong to Christ will be raised when he comes back. Not if, but when. After that, the end will come when he will turn the kingdom over to God the Father, having destroyed every ruler and authority and power. For Christ must reign until he humbles all his enemies beneath his feet. And the last enemy to be destroyed is death. For the scriptures say, God has put all things under his authority. Of course, when it says all things are under his authority, that does not include God himself who gave Christ his authority. Then, when all things are under his authority, the Son will put himself under God's authority so that God who gave his Son authority over all things will be utterly supreme over everything Everywhere. Hallelujah. Amen there. 
If the dead will not be raised, what point is there in people being baptized for those who are dead? Why do it unless the dead will someday rise again? <laughs> Big amen there, right? <laughs> All right, I got one for us. <laughs> Go with me to James chapter 3. James chapter 3, verse 13. See, all of us have resurrection power. But you have to understand, resurrection power is not a feeling or an emotion. It is a fact. See, God does not run off emotion. God runs off facts. The truth of the Bible is our facts. It's factual. When the devil comes, tries to enter our minds and scramble it up, the fact of the matter is, he did not give us that spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and a sound mind. Can I get an amen here? We have to understand that, that the devil is going to throw all these spirit of emotions into the believer's mind to what? Make us what? Miserable and oppressed and sad and lonely and all these things. When we're never alone. Yet Jesus is with us. He's in us. He's working through us. We're never, ever alone, no matter what's going on, amen? Through our weaknesses, through our failures, he's with us. He promised he'd never leave us nor forsake us, and that is not a feeling, it's a fact. One thing about believers have to stop running off their feelings and grow to maturity and understand the facts of the Bible, the promises of the Bible. Say, look, I don't feel like going to work today, but that doesn't mean I'm not going to. I don't feel like reading my Bible, but that doesn't mean I'm not going to. I'm going to obey the word of God. Because what? I love God and I love his word. No matter how I feel. How many times am I going to pry that book open? Because I don't feel like reading it. I don't feel like going to work. I don't feel like talking to anybody. I don't feel like going to church. The devil always causes problems on your way to church. Have you not noticed that? He'll put traffic, he'll make you argue with your spouse on the way in. He'll make you angry for some reason to try to what? Scramble your mind so you don't receive the message the Spirit is trying to say to the church. You have to what? Refocus. Say, that's it. Nope. I'm submitting to God, resisting the devil, and he will flee. Amen? So I can get a crystal clear message through the Word of God, and I have to stay focused because you can get distracted while you're listening to the Word of God. Very easily. With what on today or what you're thinking, the devil will try to come in, twist it all up. We've got to refocus. All right, look at verse 13. Is everybody there? James chapter 3. If you are wise and, under God, and understand God's ways, prove it by living an honorable life, doing good works with the humility that comes from wisdom. But, if you are bitterly jealous and there is selfish ambition in your heart, don't cover up the truth with boasting and lying. For jealousy and selfishness are not God's kind of wisdom. Such things are earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. For wherever there is jealousy and selfish ambition, there you will find disorder and evil of every kind. When you, go, when you come to church with selfishness and jealousy, what you do is you want, cause division inside the body of Christ. And that is not from God. You're bringing the devil right into the church when you come in like that. We should all be excited because the church is trying to grow. People are trying to get involved. We should all be like jumping up and down for joy. Amen? That people are coming out of their shells and want to do something for the Lord. Because you know what happens? People that have been for a while, they get, they get stagnant. Somebody new comes in that's on fire, wants to do, do, do for the Lord. It lights us on fire again. Can I get any men here? We don't get jealous and miserable. We want, we jump in and help. We're all on the same team. Can I get an amen, please? We're all on the same team. Can I remind everybody of that here tonight? We're all on the same team. Thank you. We don't get mad when someone else does something. Everybody's gifted in here. What we do is we work together. The more, the merrier. 
The more the merrier. The more people that come in and want to get involved, the more we build God's church. And people get involved and overcome the evil that's in their lives. So we need to what? Welcome that and embrace it. And jump in and what? Build each other up. Can I get an amen again? All right. We're understanding what we're talking about. This is what the Bible tells us to do. Now it tells us in verse 17, but the wisdom from above is pure. It's peace-loving, gentle at all times, and here's a big one right here, willing to yield to others. It is full of mercy and the fruit of good deeds. It shows no favoritism and is always sincere. And those who are peacemakers will plant seeds of peace and reap a harvest of righteousness or of good things or of justice. How about a big amen there? That's what it is. We're all on the same team. When we come into church in the spirit, everybody's in agreement and everybody's on the same team. We're on team Jesus, especially this church. We're very, we have very, we're very well educated in the word of God here. We know what it says and we know what God wants us to do. He wants us to build the body of Christ. Amen. That is our job, each and every one of us. To do good deeds and kind things for everybody. Especially to our family of believers. Alright. We're going to go into Daniel chapter 6 tonight. We went into verse 4, but we're going to start from the top. Maybe we'll break into it. But I want to do a little summary on chapter 6 before we get into it. And educate you a little bit. It's a trap. Daniel is able to retain his high position, okay, listen up now, even though the Babylonian Empire has just fallen to pieces, he continues to serve as one of Darius the Mede's top three men, presidents who supervise the 120 satraps that help govern the kingdom. Now, what's a satrap? A satrap is a provincial governor in the ancient Persian Empire. So that's why I said, it's a trap. When I said, it's, say trap. That's what I said, it's a trap. It's say trap. Get it now? See, now you're catching on. But the other two presidents in the say traps all get jealous of Daniel. Okay? This is what happens. He's been doing so good that Darius is planning to make him his number one president. Ruling over everyone else except for the king. The satraps can't find anything to discredit Daniel in this chapter with his own life since he's a pretty clean living and incorruptible guy. So they devise a plot. The satraps go to Darius and start to kiss up to him. They convince him to sign a document ordering everyone to pray to him and worship him and only him. For 30 days or else they'll be thrown into the den full of lions. Daniel pays no attention to the new rule and continues to pray to God at his window facing Jerusalem. They knew that he wasn't going to do that and that was their way to get him. The satraps go to Darius and tell him what Daniel is doing. Okay, but the king really likes Daniel and makes every effort he can to save him. Still, the satraps tell him that he can't change his own laws. See, once a king makes a law and seals it, he cannot retract it. So Darius orders Daniel thrown into the lion's den. We're going to read this now. Though before, though before it happens, Darius tells Daniel that he hopes God can save him. After Daniel is put inside the den, is sealed over with a giant boulder. After heading home, Darius refuses to eat. He fasts and is unable to sleep as well. But the satraps entrapped by their own trap. The next day, Darius heads down to the den to see if God saved Daniel. And he says, Daniel is fine and answers the king when Darius calls on him. Dan, um, Dan explains that God's angel showed up and made sure the lion's mouth stayed shut. So Daniel is saved 
And Darius allows him to be taken out of the den. But the king punishes the people who conspired against Daniel. Not only the satraps and presidents, but their wives and children are chucked into the lion's den with them. The lions start to devour them and crunch their bones before they even hit the floor. Ooh. Like Nebuchadnezzar before him, Darius issues a proclamation telling everyone that they need to respect and fear Daniel's God. He pays tribute to God for saving Daniel and says that God's kingdom will outlast all others. The chapter ends stating that Daniel went on to do pretty well for himself, both during Darius' reign and that of the next king, Cyrus. Now we got a good summary of this. Now let's break into this chapter. Let's go right to verse 1. Is everybody with me so far now? Now when we read into this, it's going to come clear. Everything's going to be clear, wide open. Darius the Mede decided to divide the kingdom into 120 provinces, and he appointed a high officer to rule over each province. The king also chose Daniel and two others as administrators to supervise the high offices and protect the king's interests. Daniel soon proved himself more capable than all the other administrators and high offices. Because of Daniel's great ability, the king made plans to place him over the entire empire. That's how much God's blessed him. Why? Why was God all over Daniel? Because Daniel was obedient to God. He listened to him and he walked with him. Beware of anybody that tries to come over one of God's chosen. It'll turn around and bite them back. Amen? Just, just, they, went, they tried to throw him into the lion's den. What happened to them? They got fed to the lions. Whenever someone comes up to once against God's chosen, guess what? It turns around and goes right back on them. All right, so before we go on, at this time, Daniel was over 80 years old and one of Darius's top three administrators. Daniel was working with those who did not believe in his God, but he worked more efficiently and capably than all the rest. Why? Because God was with him and God told him to obey the laws there. Thus, he attracted the attention of the pagan king and earned the place of respect. It says in Proverbs, you get the respect of others and of God when you what? When you do God's will and you're obedient to God. Not only do you find favor with God, but you find favor with people here too because the principles you're living by. Can I get an amen on that one? Even your enemies are at peace with you. Thus he attracted the attention of a pagan king. We can influence non-Christian employers by working diligently and responsibly. How well do you represent God to your employer at work? That's the question. How much of this that you're learning are you taking with you into your life? Are you becoming bitter or are you becoming better? Check yourself because there's an opportunity here to what? Turn if you are being like that and come to God and what? Get better. Or the more bitter you get and more indifferent towards God, the more the torment and depression that's going to come into your life. Because God is going to have his heavy hand over you. And you're not going to have any peace, any joy, I mean, anything until you start to obey him and do his will and represent him properly. Can I get any men here? Because ignorance is not bliss in this church. We're, we're very well educated and we know exactly what God wants us to do. So we can't say, well, without excuse now. When you go to work tomorrow, you go to work for Jesus Christ. When you talk to your employee, when you talk to the people in front of you, at your job, I don't care how much they're bad to you, you treat them like you treat Jesus. That is what God calls us to do. So if you don't do that, don't expect God to bless you. Because he won't. He's going to say, when are you going to wake up and listen to what I'm telling you? I'm trying to train you to do good works and build my kingdom here. All right, verse 4. Then the other administrators and high officers began searching for some fault 
in the way Daniel was handling government affairs. But they couldn't find anything to criticize or condemn. Now let me ask you, Christians, the unbelieving world is looking to find fault in your Christian walk. Let me ask you a question, can they? Quiet, right? We're all educated, we come to church, but are you living the way God is telling you to live so they can't find fault with you? So they say, wow, I want to go to that church. It must be really something changing someone's life. Because that's what it's supposed to do, change your life. That song she just got done singing said, let my Jesus change your life. Not just come to church, change your life to become like him. That's the whole reason why you're here tonight. You know that, right? To change. Not to stay the way you are and stop making excuses. I'm just weak. Look, how long, how many years are you going to say, I'm just weak? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. God gives us a grace period, and then he what? He judges us, and he tests us. The little baby Christians get the leeway. The believers that have been here a while get more judgment when they don't live up to God's standing. Can I get an amen here? God chastens his kids. Why? Because he loves them. He's like, wake up. Stop acting like a baby. Do you still need to get fed with milk again? Or are you going to grow up and start to act the way I'm telling you to act and behave the way I'm telling you to act around people so they can fill the church? That's what fills the church, you know, living different, showing difference in your life. That's what builds the church. What takes people out of church? Not seeing any difference in you as a Christian. I can't tell the difference between a believer or an unbeliever. That's what keeps people from coming to church. Can I get an amen here? You're called to a higher standard as a Christian, as a believer. Okay. He was always responsible and completely trusted. Let me tell you something. Daniel made enemies at work by doing a good job. I can't even, I, can't, I don't even want to go there. That's what happens. It happens to me all the time. By, by not falling into anything, just helping everybody, not holding anything against anybody, people start to get jealous of that. Because they want you to what? Fall. But when you live by God's standard, he gives us the power to do all things. I keep my mouth shut and I help people no matter what. I, give, I, don't, I don't remember anybody what they did to me yesterday. Because if you do that, you won't be able to do it. You have to have holy amnesia. Say, look. It's not if I'm going to fall, it's when I fall. Do I want the grace and mercy that God gives, gives me? I've got to extend that to them. Or else I'm not going to get it. We're big boys and girls in church now, right? We're not little babies anymore. It's time to what? Grow up. Perhaps you've had similar experience. When you begin to excel, you will find that co-workers may look for ways to hold you back and tear you down. How should you deal with those who would cheer at you at your downfall and even try to hasten it? Conduct your whole life above reproach. Then you will have nothing to hide and your enemies will have a difficult time finding legitimate charges against you. Can I get an amen here? Of course, this will not always save you from the attacks. And like Daniel, you will have to rely on God for favor and protection and trust him when you become the victim of unfair circumstances. Not if, when, okay? You know when people say you're not a doormat? Well, kind of we are. We're a doormat down here. Jesus, he was getting, what did he do? He say nothing. How many people can't keep the big mouth shut? When they know that they should. I gotta, I gotta speak up for myself. I'm not letting anybody get over on me. Well, then who are you dependent on? God or yourself? What's that? Is that the zipper? Go ahead, turn around. <laughs> okay. 
This is to build you up. Listen, we don't, we stop making excuses and saying, you know what? I'm gonna sh- tomorrow I'm going to go to work like I go to work for Jesus. From miserable Spring Avenue all the way to Chirpatrick, I'm telling myself I'm going to work for Jesus today. By the time I get there, I am. I have to convince myself of that. Because when I go in there, all hell's going to break loose. And Jesus doesn't want to show up. I do. Especially after the school buses and the traffic and everything else. And the people that cut you off and frustrate you. But that's all a trap. So we what? Go back into our flesh again. Have we not grown up enough to know that the devil sets traps for us so we can't be a good testimony at work? He sets us up. And we ask him following him. Not only at work, but at home too. Around the road. Anywhere. I can do all things through who strengthens me, which is the word of God. The power is in the word of God. Right now we're getting all the power we need to handle it. Especially on a Wednesday, halfway point. So we're getting plugged in. All right, look at verse 5. So they concluded, our only chance of finding grounds for accusing Daniel will be in connection with the rules of his religion. You see it? The only thing they could find that he would not compromise was his faith in God. That's the only thing that they could hold against him, which is the best thing in the world. To hold against us. That you will not what? Compromise your faith. In work. At home. On the road. Now. The jealous officials couldn't find anything about Daniel's life to criticize. So they attacked his faith. If you face jealous critics because of your faith. Be glad they're criticizing that part of your life. Perhaps they had a focus on your faith as a last resort. Think about that. Even when you're aware, people may be observing your actions. They may watch you more closely because they realize you possess something different. Let this motivate you to keep following the Lord with your words and your what? Actions. How about a big amen there? Let the Spirit speak because this Word of God is our teacher. We need to learn how to live and how to act and how to behave in that world. That's why we're here. It's like we're going to school. What do you think disciple is? Disciplining us, discipling us to become like Jesus so we show an example out there that we belong to him and not the devil. Verse 6. This is clear tonight, isn't it? It's coming in clear, isn't it? So, the administrators and high officers went to the king and said, Long live King Darius. So they gave him a compliment right away, right? How do you get to the king? Give him a compliment. Get on his side, right? We are all in agreement we administrators, officials, high officers, advisors, and governors, that the king should make a law that will be strictly enforced. Give orders that for the next 30 days, any person who prays to anyone, divine or human, except to you, your majesty, will be thrown into the den of lions. They stroked his ego. And now, your majesty... Issue and sign this law so it cannot be changed. An official law of the Medes and Persians that cannot be revoked. So King Darius signed the law. The motive was to get Daniel. The king was blinded by his ego because he would have known that Daniel wasn't going to do that. But they stroked his ego enough to forget about that and put it into an action, into a law. We've got to be careful about people that give us compliments because there's a motive behind it to make us follow their ways instead of God's. You know it as well as I do. When you get a compliment, how, ooh, 
you. It's the devil's trap. The only one that compliments you is Jesus. For what? Living the way he tells you to live. Not because you're making other people happy. Or people pleasing. And that's what they try to do. Believe me, the devil... Let me just explain something to you. A spirit has to enter into something to work. So the devil is a spirit. So in order for the devil to work, he has to go into somebody. To what? Work behind them to do it. And the only way he's going to do that is if somebody's living willfully disobedient or not a believer at all. So a disobedient Christian living in the flesh is susceptible for the devil entering into them and then becoming what? A, one of his minions and tools, even in the church. Because when somebody's living wrong and somebody's living right, people that are living wrong get jealous of the people in the church that are living right. Because it shines light. Don't let anybody tell you that living right is legalism. Living right is the fruit of our salvation. Not the condition, the fruit of it. That's what proves that you are saved. A changed life, living for the Lord, and not for people. No matter how nice they are to you. Oh, but they're so nice. The Satan comes as an angel of light. He doesn't come as a devil with horns and a pitchfork. He comes and he tricks us. What do you think he said to Eve in the garden? That, that fruit, he made that fruit look so good that how could that be bad to eat that? How could it be bad? It looks so good. How could that person be bad when they're doing so many good things? They're doing good things to get recognized, not to, reckon, not to give God glory. Two different things here. People want the plaque, not giving it to Jesus. People say, well, they're good people. The Bible says no one's good, no, not one. We all fall short of God's glory. And the only good things that we do is to please God and glorify Him because we love Him. Not to get recognized. Can I get an amen here? All right, now listen. In Babylon, the king's word was the law. In the medial Persian Empire, however, when the law was made, even the king couldn't change it. Darius was an effective government administrator, but his fatal flaw was his pride. By appealing to this vanity, the men talked Darius into signing a law, effectively making himself a god for 30 days. He did. He made himself a god by saying, nobody can worship anything else but me. They have to worship me. That's how much they stroked his ego and his pride made him sign that document. This law could not be broken. Not even by an important official like Daniel. Another example of irrevocable nature of the laws of the Medes and Persians appears in the book of Esther, chapter 8, verse 8. As a matter of fact, Esther almost risked her life for the people to save them. Because you, can't, you couldn't approach the king unless they were invited to. And, and that was punishable by death. The king said, I didn't invite you to my table. Take her head off. That's how, important, that's how much they followed through with everything. But God was with Esther. These are the things of the Bible. You understand when you're, listen, when you're obedient and you're living for God and you're going through a lot of stuff down here, God has got his hands all over you and is protecting you. Don't fall prey to the devil and fall into your flesh again. Don't be stupid. Because you can't fix stupid. You can't fix that. You've got to understand, obey God no matter what, and he will protect you. Daniel went into a den of lions. Shadrach, Meknach, and Abednego went into a fire. Because they followed God, he took them out without a without a, a singe on them. Daniel came out of the lion's den without a scratch. As soon as he threw the, 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 the cruel, cruel evil people in there, they couldn't even hit the ground when the, the lions devoured them. Who had them? God had them. These are the principles of obedience. These are the blessings of obedience that the church is missing right now. They're in compromise, saying, just welcome everybody. Jesus loves everybody. No, Jesus loves obedience. 
If you love me, you will obey me, not change my laws. How about a big amen there? That's why it's so hard. Listen, the devil gets us all the time. It's hard for us to be obedient because it kills our flesh down here. But that's the ultimate protection for the believer is obedience. Not compromise. Listen, if you're stealing, if you're doing things that are, what, shady, don't think God's protecting you. You fall out of the umbrella, susceptible to the devil, and he has a field day with believers. You can sit in church all you want and fool me, but you can't fool him. You can act like the best Christian in the world to me, and I'll believe you, but God knows your heart better than I do, and he will chasten his kids. So my advice to you is what? Be obedient. Never mind the nonsense. Time is short right now. Listen, stop reading any other book but the Bible. That's what you need to do in this day and age. Right now, the deception is outside the word of God. If people are reading literature outside the word of God, they're being controlled by another power, and it's the devil. If you want to stay rooted and grounded, you have to stay in the word of God and never deviate from it. That's a fair warning that I'm warning everybody now. Can I get an amen here? Get out of the commentaries. Get out of everything. Get out of everything. Stay in the word because God's the one that will speak to you. Don't listen and fall for other people's opinion on God. Let God speak to you. Otherwise, you're getting deceived. You don't need a big lot. The only book you need in your library is the Bible. It's all there. And he will reveal to you everything you need when you're ready to hear it, when you're ready to accept it. So don't try to get it somewhere else. Go right to the Word of God and grow, and he will reveal to you when you've grown up enough more and more and more. Can I get an amen here? Fair warning. You don't have to listen to me, but these are coming right from God, so... Wash my hands of it. Be careful what you listen to. And be careful what you read. Because it all sounds good. But that does not mean it's from God. If it's not in the Bible, and it doesn't line up with that word, it's not from God. Don't let anybody trick you into that. So if you're doing it, just do what they did in the book of Acts. What did they do? Every book they had, they burned it. The only book they kept was what? The Bible. Burn all the other books if you're smart because it has power. They have attachments on them. That's not, I mean, I'm not, that wasn't rehearsed by the way. That was just the spirit speaking, so take heed to that. Okay, verse 10. But when Daniel learned that the law had been signed, he went home and knelt down as usual in his upstairs room with its windows open toward Jerusalem. He looked, imagine he prayed at the window pointing towards Jerusalem. That's where he felt God. That was his prayer plot. That was his, that was his prayer room. Wherever he felt closest to God, that's where he went every day. Wherever you feel, it's always good to have a place to go. I don't know if anybody's ever watched the war room. That woman had a room she went in just to talk with God. She read everything written down. Listen, that's a good thing to do. To find a place, nice quiet place, and get your war room going. Because we fight our battles on our knees, by the way. Not out of this. This stays shut. You want to win? Keep this shut and the Bible open. Keep your mouth shut and the Bible open and you'll succeed. How about a big amen there? <laughs> Okay, now look what it said. He prayed three times a day. Let me just read that again. But when Daniel learned that the law had been signed, he knew what the law said, okay? He knew what the consequences would be. He went home and knelt down as usual in his upstairs room with his windows open towards Jerusalem. He prayed three times a day, just as he always done Giving thanks to his God. So he knew if he did it, what was going to happen. He said, I'm not listening to you. 
I'm listening to God. So don't let anybody change what you do. You see what he did? He didn't listen to that. He listened to God. People are always going to change. You really pray like that? You pray that much? Really? Isn't that a little bit much? Isn't that a little bit churchy? That you do all that all the time? Say, believe me, if I don't do that, you're not going to like me very much. What is he trying to say? Daniel had a routine. Do you have a routine where you know you go before the Lord at certain times of the day to speak with him? That's how you develop a relationship, just like with anybody else. How much time, if you spend, don't spend any time with your family or your wife, that relationship dwindles. But the more time you spend with that relationship, the more it what? Flourishes. Same thing with God. The less time you spend with him, the more it dwindles and the flesh comes back. The more time you spend with him is what? As you come alive. Daniel didn't care. Kill me. I'm going to pray. That's how it should be for you. What are you doing? I'm going to pray. Why? Because I have to. I pray all the time. I'll go in the bathroom. I'll go in the spray booth. doesn't matter. You don't always have to get on your knees either. Pray always. The Bible says pray without ceasing. What's that mean? Always have God circulating in your mind because the devil, if you don't, something else is going to replace it. There's going to be something dangerous, right? The human, the human spirit is brutal. It thinks of everything else. Materialism. This and that. I need this. I need that. All right. Before we close, let me just explain 10 a little bit. Daniel stood alone. Although he knew about the law against praying to anyone except the king, he continued to pray three times a day as he always had. Daniel had a disciplined prayer life. Our prayers are usually interrupted, not by threats, but simply by the pressures and distractions of our daily schedule. I can say amen to that. I can myself. Don't let threats, pressures, or distractions cut into your prayer time. Pray regularly, no matter what, for prayer is your lifeline to God. Daniel made no attempt to hide his daily prayer routine from his enemies in government, even though he knew he'd be disobeying the new law. Hiding his daily prayers would have been futile because surely the conspirators would have caught him at something else during the month. Also, hiding would have demonstrated that he was afraid of the other government officials. Daniel continued to pray because only God could provide the guidance and strength that he needed during this difficult time. That's what you need to make sure. Don't be embarrassed. I need to go pray. Where are you going? I'm going to read my Bible. Why? Because that's my God and I worship Him. Yeah. You tell people straight like it is. Yes. Who's your Savior? Jesus is. Yes. Not just God. Jesus Christ. Yes. See, it's easy to say God. Oh, I love God. Even the devil says God all the time. But when you say Jesus Christ, it cuts right to the soul and people start getting angry at you. Oh boy, get away from Him. He's a Jesus freak. But Jesus Christ is your God. And he'll have no other God before him. Amen? Amen? So that's why it's so important to what? Obey what he tells you to do because he loves you and doesn't want the devil to get inside yourself to what? Ruin your life. Amen? Amen? All right, we're going to close there. Thank you for letting me share that. We're going to pick up in verse 11 when we get back together. Drew, you want to come up and close us? bow our heads. Dearly Father, Lord, thank you for this message, Lord. We're just so grateful that we can have these stories in the Bible, Lord, that teach us, Lord, your, your faithfulness. And I just pray, Lord, that you give us the courage through your spirit each and every day, Lord, to depend on you, Lord. Let us, let us read your word more and more, Lord, so we have that stability in our souls, Lord, so we can trust you when we are faced with these trials, Lord, that shake us to the bone, Lord, but 
with your spirit, Lord, and, and your guidance, Lord. You give us peace through it, Lord. And I just thank you for always coming through for us. You'll never leave us nor forsake us, yes, Lord. Lord. And I just thank you. And we praise you and honor you, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Amen. All right. Thanks, brother. All right, we're going to watch a video and close.